And the Lord is saying the adamant, the adamant, the adamant, the adamant, says the Lord, the adamant. It is a stone. It is carved out by God's hand, says the Lord. Everything that is stone is God made. Bricks are man made. But you are an adamant. You are a stone, says the Lord. Now let me just go apart to myself for a minute and explain to you how God showed me this. When we were in worship... And the song, the singer on the song was singing, wait on the Lord. Remember that song? And how many of you are weary and nobody raised their hand? And the Lord said, that's adamant. That's an adamant. And the Lord is saying the adamant is the God carved out stone. And that which I have carved out and placed in you, says the Lord, nobody can remove. Nobody can move you from that position. Nobody can push you off of that foundation, says the Lord, because you are adamant. And because you are prophetic people, you don't come into agreement with anything that's not on the rock. Amen. And so the Lord says you stand strong, you stand steadfast, because he said in this hour, everyone that is moving and wavering and wishy-washy and not adamant and not on the foundation is going to be blown away and swept away. Because the enemy's uh, strategy through deception is to infiltrate and seduce even with song and even with melody. Those who would want to stand strong for me, but they are not strong enough to withstand the seduction of the enemy. For the enemy comes with many seducing thoughts and many seducing ideas that cause my servants who might want to stand strong to waver. But understand when I have put what I have put in you is strong. It is carved out of the rock Christ Jesus And you cannot be swayed and you cannot be moved from that which I have placed in you, says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So prophetic people, amen, prophetic people understand the power of their thoughts and their words and the meditations of their heart. Not just a confession. See? It has to go deeper than that. It can't be a mental Ascent. It can't be a mental thing. Usually people get involved in mental activity only are living in the natural realm. Mm-hmm. Live in a natural realm. You see it all the time. Religions like that. People want to appear to be a certain way because of the company that they're in. So when you're in religious company or the company of church people, you pick up a certain jargon. That's all because of natural pressure. You know, you feel the pressure to be a part of things or you want to appear to be, uh, you know, spiritual or, or strong or, or have a, uh, the appearance of someone who is capable. You know, a lot of times spiritual uh, um, atmospheres will cause a conviction to come on people who are insecure, maybe perceive themselves as being weak. 
And so <clears throat> what people will do is they'll, in their insecurity, keep their ears and their eyes open to be uh, a part of things or to, to be proper, accepted, whatever it is. And so that keeps you in a mental realm only of living for God. And it's a sad place to be because your spirit then is empty and bereft of, of really what, what causes your spirit to keep you alive and causes joy to come, purpose to come into your life. You don't have that because you're living on such a superficial plane. And sometimes people can't really convince you that that's where you live. But very often that's where we live because we don't spend enough time with God to get to know him and get to feel comfortable in his presence and take all your cues from God. Because when you take your cues from God, you're going to lose some people. In fact, you're going to lose a lot of people when you take your cues from God. But but that's the way that we've got to go. You know, it's the way we've got to go because because God wants us to, to go there. Amen. He wants us to go there. Thank you, Jesus. Come here, Matthew. The Lord's bugging me about you. Bugging me about you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, who's going to come up here and catch him? See, y'all just don't do your brother like that. They wrong, man. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, the Lord wants you to know that um, you've done something right. He's not telling me what it is, and uh, but you need to know this, that there's something that you've been wanting to do to offer up to him. Some, that you've done something right, says the Lord. And the Lord's saying that it's caused a different realm of understanding to come to you. It's caused uh, a signs to come into your life, uh, doors that have opened to you that you only dreamed about these are sign doors they're not doors permanent doors that you can uh, have free entry and access to but god's given you some signs to let you know that you've done some things right in your heart uh, in your manner in your behavior in your thinking there's some things that he approved of and he's shown you some signs uh, of those things, some things that you you've uh, longed to see happen. He's put you in the company of great people, says the Lord, and he's done some things like that to show you that he approves of you. And the Lord says that he's going to take you back around again and those doors are going to kind of come open and you will have free access so and this is a personal thing between you and God. I don't know what it is, but you find out from him what it is that you've done and you keep doing it, says the Lord. And, and he'll continue to bless you and keep those doors open on a permanent fashion, uh, says the spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So God then wants us to be prophetic people. We have to respect our thoughts, our words, our actions, all of those things come under the heading of prophetic activity because they have an impact in the realm of the spirit. They really, really do. And so when we think about what God's put inside of us, what has he taught you that you know is maybe a, a recurring theme in your life? Sometimes it's things that you uh, get persecuted for or things that you... Excuse me, you know, are unique to you. Those things that are in you that are solid, that never waver. 
that you just know are there. And those are the things the Lord says is your foundation. And that's what he wants you to stay with. And he doesn't want you to waver from that. And then he builds from there. You know, you don't have to go looking for anything. You know, a lot of times people come to these meetings and they're looking for a ministry or they're looking for an open door to minister. I don't know why they come to somebody's meeting for that. You know, they leave Uncle Buck and Aunt Jane and all them sinners in the family and then they want to come and rip and run in here like, you know, they're crazy. And so, you know, he already has your ministry planned for you. Just look around. The Bible says the field is white to harvest. That means look at Uncle Buck, Aunt Jane, uh, you know, uh, 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 Granny and, and, and Big Daddy and all them people, the, the ones that see their teeth out on the, the table and you wish they wouldn't and all that kind of stuff, put their corns up on your cocktail. Them the people, that's your harvest. Eh? That's your harvest. So go after your harvest, you know, in a big way. But uh, he he has planned all of the things that we do, he says, they're foreordained. The good works that we walk in are foreordained. He knows every single move each and every one of us is going to make. And he knows the ones that he's planned too. And so it's good to stay in his plan and do what he wants you to do. But as prophetic people, we have to be careful to stay true to what we know inside our heart is God. Stay true to that because the enemy is going to try to move us from that in a greater and greater way. You'll see more and more people uh, begin to compromise on the word. They, you know, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure if God really meant that or not or all this stuff, you know, just and many of them do it because they're looking for a bigger platform. They're looking for a a broader audience, that kind of stuff. Sometimes you'll do it just because some people do it just to keep relationships with people. You know, the loved ones and people close to you who don't like that thing that you do. God likes that. God put that thing in you to do that for him. So that's like David said when, when Michael criticized him for dancing. He said, I wasn't dancing for you in the first place. I was dancing for God. I don't know. You just look it. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's the thing. What it is is it's a, a thing between you and God that you got to keep solid. You got to keep tight. You got to stay with that, you know, because that's what you know. See, that's what you know. And that thing will keep you. So don't waver from your foundation. And don't start speaking things that aren't scriptural or you have a question about it being scriptural. You don't have to come into agreement with anybody about anything, whether it's in a song and a dance and preaching or anything. You, if you don't, it doesn't ring true with you in your spirit because that's where God dwells and that's where he talks to you and that's where he stores knowledge and, and wisdom for you. Then you have to you know, move away from it or just put it on the shelf or not have anything to do with it. Many times you'll be in conversation and people will say things and they want you to agree with them and you kind of withdraw a little bit and then they mad, you know, or they keep probing you what you don't think so and, you know, that kind of thing. And so you just have to stand fast in what God's put inside you because we are the light of the world. If we go dark, where's the dark world going to find some light? And everybody's in blindness. So you got to stay with what you know, you know, be that adamant, be that stone and just not move and not waver and not be moved by anything. And it's, you know, that's that's where they they really hit you. But if you stand, God will be there with you and you won't have to waver. So praise God. So we're in chapter three of Prophetic People, volume two. 
and its prophetic people and the revelation gifts of the Spirit in action. The revelation gifts of the Spirit in action. Now, we know there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they're divided up in three categories. If you want to write those down, you can. Uh, The three categories are revelation gifts, power gifts, and utterance gifts. Revelation are the ones you pick up through the mind of your spirit man. That's real easily easy. Those are the mental mental spirit gifts, I guess. So the gifts of the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Discernment is done not so much with your eyes, but what you interpret, how you interpret what your eyes see. And so discerning of spirits, and they are known as the revelation gifts of the spirit. If you just want to make note, the power gifts are gift of faith, working of miracles, and healing. And the utterance are tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. It says a person who occupies the office of the prophet should have a consistent manifestation of two or more of these three gifts. So word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits to stand in the office of prophet. It is generally accepted that it's not just a one-time drop in your spirit deal and you talk about it for 20 years. But you have a consistent manifestation because people need help all the time, you know. And so those gifts are in you to profit people. And they're resident there and they can be pulled out when there's a need for them. So the prophet has to be smart enough. To know people aren't asking his advice about things. See, this will help you. This will help you a lot. Because let me tell you why I think it helps you. It helps you from being offended that people don't like what you say. See, because it's not yours anyway. These gifts come from God. And so you put them out there by the unction of the Spirit. And you tell them what it's to the best of your ability what you believe God is speaking in that situation and then you just go on and that's how we help people is with the gifts of the spirit if we yield and lean more and depend more on gifts and less on us and our knowledge then we'll be less invested in it and less apt to be offended or hurt or something if somebody doesn't want to accept it or hear it see this is the problem that we have with people who feel that they're called to ministry or called as prophets or something if they're trying so hard to get a word from somebody and they kind of make it up then they're mad if people don't listen to them see it's not coming for a while you you, come on now let's grow up here because this ain't your word See, this is God's word. I'm not coming to you for your advice and your opinion anyway. I'm coming to you for you to hear from God on my behalf. And so if we can skip us and divest ourselves of any kind of desire for acknowledgement, praise, or anything like that, we're more apt to yield to the gifts and they, they, uh, come, they, uh, um, they appear more readily and more consistently. So as prophetic people, you can depend on the gifts of the Spirit, and you can operate in word of knowledge, word of wisdom, reliably, consistently, 
on a continual basis. And that doesn't make you a prophet. That doesn't make you anything. It just makes you accurate before God. And it makes you humble before God because then you want to hear what God wants to give you on behalf of someone. You're not trying to influence them to do things your way. There's a big difference. Now, there are people who will will imitate things because there is a, a component in the human being that that's just the way we are. You know, we imitate all kinds of things that we see because that's the kind of people we are. Uh, that's human. God says that, that be imitators of Christ as dear children. And so we're always uh, looking at examples. We're looking at ways to do things. That's how human beings learn. You know, from everything, from the way sometimes you might uh, fix your house or repair something, you know, something technical. you got to read a manual or you got to have somebody show you how to do it. So this is how we learn through, through imagery and be imitating what we see in our imagination and so forth. So there are not a whole lot of originals out here. But if it works for you didn't get it and run with it you understand what i'm saying you're gonna get it from somebody and somebody will get it from you and so your desire is that as you follow the lord and you're accurate in god then that's what you want people to emulate you understand what i'm saying and and, then i think that's a right thing to do uh, because it'll save you a lot of trial and error trying to figure out how to do it yourself you know the do-it-yourself people are going to be a long time in failure because they don't understand how to take advantage of what God's provided for us. And so if we will allow ourselves to understand that God shapes and molds us through this fashion of just grabbing, imitating, and emulating, and going forth. That's why you read the Bible. You can't tell me that most of y'all women in here don't want to be Esther, Deborah, Amen. Somebody be kicking it in a hammock prophesying to people and judging people and all that kind of stuff. And so that's why those examples are there for us to see the kinds of people that we can be in God. So that's a good thing. Amen. It's a good thing. And so but the gifts of the spirit are given so that we can have God's mind on these things. You want God's because once God gets involved in something. And he begins to <clears throat> to uh, amend it and he begins to work in it, then it will work out right. If you're just telling somebody what you think, then it won't work out so well. You got me? And so you have to really understand how to step into that realm of the spirit and pull that answer in from God through a gift of the spirit. And so... The prophet is, is to have at least two or more of those gifts in consistent manifestation. Now, often it's a word of wisdom and word of knowledge because prophets are more vocal people and they prophesy. So your prophecy or your message will have elements of both supernatural knowledge that comes only from God and that profits the individual and will profit everyone. So actually the word of knowledge then will will bring a prophet to the person that it's spoken to and that it's told to. And the other people standing by will be blessed because they get a witness. So that's how you profit the whole situation. 
you know, you profit everybody uh, through that, through the word of wisdom and word of knowledge. <clears throat> the um, wisdom has to come from God and be peaceable and easy to be entreated. That means easy for people to understand and to accept. The words from God will be appropriate to the situation that that person has a question for. Now, I'm sure people see all this on TLC. There's this lady, the medium, you know, and she seems a real sweet, you know, New Yorker type person. But the difference, the knowledge that she has will not help you pay your bills, will not help you get saved because the knowledge that she has does not profit with all it only profits people who are mourning for dead people and can't let go of their souls and so she can pick up on familiar spirits that have knowledge about that you got me she doesn't say she's hearing from God she calls what she deals with spirit Mm -hmm. a spirit doesn't do this and spirit doesn't do that and spirit this and spirit that and so if if you were a person who was just having a difficult time in life, she couldn't help you. If you had a troubled marriage, if you had a child that's sick that needs to be healed, she cannot help you. So there's your difference right there. It doesn't profit everybody. It doesn't profit with all. It only profits those who are feeling sorry for themselves because they can't get over somebody's death. Mm-hmm. Amen. It doesn't come from our God because our God is the God of the Amen. 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 Okay. And so he wants to help the living with things that pertain to life, not the living who still want to hold on to the dead. And so the difference then is is pretty obvious there. If you have people who only work in one realm, often it's the work of familiar spirits. Legitimate prophets get in there when they start dealing with money too much. You know, everybody's waiting on a blessing, got a blessing. If you give me $50, I can give you a better prophecy, blah, this, blah, that. And so you have to be careful. That's why true prophets are consistent manifestation of at least two or more of the revelation gifts. Because God knows how to meet everybody's need. He doesn't have to make you stay in one one genre all the time to get certain needs met and not be concerned about others. God is concerned about everybody's needs at all time, not just people who are mourning for dead people. Got me? So come on now. So anyway, God will help you let go of that too. You got me? He will help you and he will heal you and he will get you over into eternal life. That's how he works with people. It doesn't just give you information and can tell you little things they used to call you and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So anyway, it says in, uh, okay, on page 40, the gift of the word of knowledge is defined as supernatural knowledge from God that comes to the church 
These are gifts that are specific to the church. People who are outside of the covenants of God do not get these gifts. Okay, you got me? It's not for people outside of the church. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not spirit. Okay. Remember that little chick that, that uh, uh, was on, uh, remember that little lady? Whose show was she on? Um, Pastor Shirley, remember Spirit, the little lady was all sad. Whose beauty shop? The wind guy. Yeah, Jeff, and he was fixing up uh, wind. What's his name? Yeah, he was fixing up this guy's property. And this guy has got a, a, a billion-dollar idea to prosper in hair care. But yet he, he lets this lady stay on his property and she's homeless and she's smelly and there he's got Beverly Hills clientele coming in and he thinks she's a good luck piece and if he makes her get off the property his luck's going to stop. And that the way I, I that's the way I sized it up. Now am I wrong right? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz we used to look at her every week and one day she died on the property and then Oh, yeah, that's right. So Jeff was was fixing it up, and he doesn't care about anything or anybody, you know, when it comes to his job. And he was threatening to throw her off, and she just dropped dead on him. Yeah. There his good luck charm died. I said, well, you know, he's free. You know, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Poor lady, you know, she, but she, she wouldn't bathe, and I think she was, Slept outside and used the bathroom on the property, and it smelled around there. And it was. And he he said that he came up one day and he wanted to know what. That's what he wanted to know what property to buy. Remember, he said, "I was looking for a property, and I just wanted to have a sign to know where to be." And she came up to him and said, "Oh, hi, my name is Spirit. Stayed twelve years on his property." I mean, it's a wonder he could get people to come into the beauty shop for, yeah, yeah. Pastor Shirley said a lot of people stopped coming because of her, because of her presence. But it just shows you the ignorance of spiritual things and the ignorance of God. See, when God can get people that superstitious and that ignorant of who he really is, see, he's not there to hurt us, he's there to help us. And these people would rather go and do anything in the world rather than to face a holy God. You got me? So, um, okay, so the gift of the word of knowledge is to find a supernatural knowledge from God that comes to the church to bless and encourage or answer questions pertaining to God's plan for man. So God won't tell you if your husband is cheating on you. You got me? If you suspect that, then pray for him. Because it's till death do you part. You got me? Just depends on the motive in your heart. Because if you're sitting there with a, a three, five, seven, and you want to know if he's cheating on you, God don't get involved in that. Huh? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Let's wipe the prince off. And, right. Yeah, he ain't involved in all that. Hmm? Or you go like this. I repent. Mm-hmm. That's what them Pentecostal people will do to you. Huh? 
I'll hit you and run straight to the altar. <laughs> so the gift of the word of knowledge is essential to the ministry of the prophet and his people. You can't help people without again being able to know God's mind on their behalf. Prophets reveal secrets, according to Amos 3.7, of God to the earth. So the secrets of God have a door into the earth through the mouth of the prophet. A prophet must develop his ability or her ability to receive knowledge from God. So this is something that is developed through use. You don't find people to practice on. But when an occasion comes up and you need information, you ask God or you pray in the Holy Ghost and the answer will come. You build your spirit up in questioning and seeking. You seek God and you're able to touch God's mind and and able to receive his ability. The gift of the word of knowledge operated in Jesus' ministry as well. In Matthew 24 through 27, we see an example of the gift of the word of knowledge in operation. So I'm going to turn there and read that to you. We won't spend a lot of time with it because you know the story very well, but I need to point out to you what these how these gifts differ and what they are. So in Matthew, what chapter? 20, 17. Thank you. And it's a story about the Jesus paying the taxes, right? 17, starting in verse 25. Verse 24, and then when we come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money, they that received tribute money or taxes came to Peter and said, does your master pay taxes? Now this was uh, the, the uh, tax collector and he was wanting to know if Jesus paid taxes or not. They were always wanting to get something on him to accuse him. If if they could accuse him of, of being trying to overthrow Caesar's government, they could get him in trouble. Then the, the uh, religious leaders had a way to trap him to get in trouble for breaking laws there. Man-made laws. As though they could stop the Son of God from breaking man-made laws. So he said yes. And when he was come to the house, Jesus asked him or stopped him and said, What are you thinking, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter said, Of strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the children are free. That means that if you're a citizen of the United States, you don't have to pay taxes for living here like customs, like strangers do. Those tribute money is only from strangers. However, you are still a child of God, and you are free from all natural laws. Not as a lawbreaker, but as a law abider. And if the law ever is in your disfavor, then you can appeal to a higher power, which is God. And his kingdom rules and reigns over all. So, for instance, you've got a a kid that doesn't know how to mind his business and is always pushing the envelope. You get a call and he's in jail and he's guilty and he needs to do time. However, 
You as a child of God are free from natural law if you can appeal to God and he agrees with you and he can set your child free. Man. Now, trust me, the Bible is full of people that never did no harm and did time. You got me? So I wouldn't bank on him as a fast get out of jail card. If your kid would be better off doing the time and learning his lesson, trust me, God will see to it that he does. But all I am saying is there is no situation where you cannot appeal to God for relief from burdensome or cumbersome laws, natural laws made by man. You can always appeal to him in those situations. It's up to God, the mind of God, for his wisdom to determine what would be the best resource. Mostly, God wants people to get into a place where they obey him and him alone, and then he can trust them to obey the laws of natural man. See, you you are required really by God to obey both. But if the laws of the land get to be burdensome or cumbersome, to you, you can always appeal to God for him to relieve you of that burden. You got me? If it's wrongful imprisonment is definitely something God gets involved in. When you're jailed wrongfully, you didn't do anything, you're innocent, God will get involved in that, no doubt about it. But we're talking about mercy situations here where the person is guilty and they know they're guilty. Can God show mercy because he has gotten a hold of that person's heart and he'll be able to govern them like he governs everybody else. You got me? And so Jesus says here, then are the children free? Then he says, notwithstanding. He says, I don't have to pay Caesar nothing. Huh? My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is higher than the kingdom of this world. However, just so we don't offend nobody. Isn't that amazing? We obey the laws of the land so we don't offend the government. Because God could get us out of obedience to a lot of things anytime he wants to. Huh? I had jury duty this week. Three weeks. My civic duty to be a juror. And I just felt like on the inside of me, I don't want to do this. I ain't got time for this. These people rip and run you all over downtown Lorraine of all places. Illyria. Hello. I don't need to be running around down here. It was just my preference not to have to get involved with that. Not that I don't want to do what's required of me. But I wasn't feeling it as a personal, as a personal thing. So the first day I prayed, I said, God, get me out of this. 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 Are you listening to me? I don't want to go. I don't want to. I got empowerment meeting coming up. I don't have time for this. Don't judge me. I got to go exercise. Get me out of this. (laughs) I mean, I don't have eight hours a day to. You understand? That's a big chunk. And don't tell me about they pay you. Listen, that messes up my budget. Anything less than three or four digits messes up my budget tremendously. I mean, I can pray and get more money than that in a day. Come on now. So don't go there with me. <laughs> Compensate you? I don't think so. And so the first day I went and I, <laughs> I had all my tricks. They, they said, uh, you know, you have to park in an assigned parking lot for jurors. Why you got to park there, I don't know. 
But to me, that makes you easy pickings for people that don't want you to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. I watch forensic files. I watch all. I watches me some cop television. Now I know what they do. Once you over there, they don't, you don't get over there. So they said, oh, because of budget cutbacks, the shuttle bus is not working. So I found my little, you know, my little buddy, Eddie, my little cane I had when I, when I was on the bus. <laughs> I pulled Eddie out the closet and threw him in the trunk. I said, I'll do whatever I got to do. So the first day, Tone and, and Rachel was off or something. They took me by. And so when the minute I got in there, they rang my phone. They said, it's canceled for the day. I said, well, that's one day down. I got 20 more to go. Whatever. Three weeks. So, it's, and this will teach you how to stay daily with God. Amen. You understand? I mean, nothing else. It taught me how to go to God every day. I didn't skip a day. I was on time and in the cut. So I called every day. She said, oh, your yours is canceled for the day. I said, praise the Lord. Can I say praise the Lord in the public courtroom? I praise the Lord. And, and so I, 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 you get a call. So I call that afternoon. So every day that week it was canceled. And I said, praise the Lord. So then I call Friday and they say, you have to report on, on Monday. Report yeah, Group so-and-so. You know, they got you in groups and herding you in. And report at 8.30. I said, 8.30. The first day it was 12.30. I could sleep in. They 8.30 in the morning. I really got to pray. Get me out of this guy. You know, I don't want to do this. Do they know how old I am? When I get up there and they start asking me questions, tell me what to tell them so they'll send me right home. Know how the lawyers, they can get rid of the jurors that aren't. Tell me what to say so they send me round. So we get in there and we're sitting there for like 15 or 20 minutes and they were saying, well, you know, the judge wants to come down and talk to everybody. And I said, now this ought to be interesting. Because usually they just heard you up there and you sit in the back of the courtroom and the lawyers look at you. If you look funny at them or you look crazy. I was thinking I could like, like be sleeping or something. Look, I look decrepit. They don't want me on there. If I sleep a lot, there's, what's wrong with her? So I was already planning my strategy, you know. <laughs> Whatever. You know, David put spit on his, down his beard and everything that crazy, so they wouldn't want. <laughs> Whatever, Chuck. You know what I'm saying. The girl got things that is. So anyhow, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, God is concerned about everything that concerns us. So um, I'm sitting there and it says, this, the judge wants to talk to you. And I, he comes, he looks like Edward G. Robinson. Y'all know who that is from the old movies, little short guy gangs. Yeah, tell me about it. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll run you through with some little short guy. But he's fit. He works out. And he's got this cigar in his hand. Real tough, tough little judge. And he starts giving us this big apology. And I thought, oh, this is getting better. And so he apologizes because he says this was a medical malpractice lawsuit. He said, and I was told this morning that the party settled out of court last night and they didn't tell me. So he says, and I just want to thank you because, you know, Bly gives you the song and dance. And I said, you're welcome. Let me out of here. So that would have been the case for two weeks. He was saying it was, would have taken two weeks, and that would have been the end of my jury duty. So God can bring reconciliation just to get 
one of his kids freedom if he would do whatever he needs to do to answer our prayers. So I tell you that to say you understand who you are and who you serve. Amen. My thought is I could have pulled out my old nurse double license. I said, oh, I got something to show you all, sir. That probably would have gotten me off the jury as well. But, you know, God has a way to do these things. Amen. So anyway, so he says, notwithstanding, lest we should offend. That's why we obey the laws of the land. We don't want to get ourselves into trouble. So wisdom dictates you do what's required of you. I had to go down there anyway. I had to call in every day. So I still got another week of calling in, but I'm assured by God, you know, that my time is up there. So lest you should offend me, he said, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take up the fish that first comes up. That's very important, folks. Don't pass up the first thing that comes along. I said, don't pass it up. See, the world's wisdom will tell you, just jump, jump at the first thing that comes along. What does the scripture say? You take the first thing that comes along. Why do you think God does that? Why do you think he told him? The first one that comes up, you grab it. There's a need. Why would he waste your time? And how would you know what to look for? See, God is sovereign and he is wise. And he is not the author of confusion. So Peter would stand there and look for, well, what kind of fish? He said, a blue fish. Well, that one looks blue. It's not quite blue enough. And that one looks, you got me? So God will send your blessing on the first thing that comes if you'll believe him to do it. Many times we pass things up because we don't know what we're looking for. So God cuts through all the red tape and confusion and says the first thing that comes you grab it because that's me. Hmm? It's first things. Even God will even honor sometimes traditions that we have you know the story in the in the bible about the the people waiting at the pool to be healed and the uh the legend was that the angel troubled water and the first person that came down got healed and you know god will honor that even now we have altar calls many times the first person that comes will get it Hmm? Especially if they come on their own, you know, run down and, and the first, the eager ones always get it. Well, there is an element of, of supreme faith in that. There's a faith that doesn't want to wait involved in that. But God often will honor that so-called misunderstanding that we have about that scripture. He's good that way. And so he says, you shall find a piece of money in there. So we got the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom is the solution to the problem. Wisdom always gives you the mind of God or the how-to of God. So the problem will be solved through fishing. Not through going and asking your uncle for it. Or going and taking out a loan. But it will be, be solved through fishing. Why fishing for Peter? 
That's, in other words, God won't make it hard for you. So his wisdom will not make it hard. It'll be more natural for you to do. It'll be something you're able to do. It'll be something you can do. God's smart. He won't give you, he won't tell you to, to do 15 somersaults and you don't know how to do one. Huh? Unless you're that little what's her name girl, Gabby girl or something. You know, she will get somersaults. I won't. You understand me? And so he'll give me something to do that I'm capable of doing. So the word of knowledge then is uh, we see an example of that gift. We need to know that Jesus occupied all four ministry gift offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. As the head of the church, he would have to be supreme in all of those. Jesus answers a question posed by Peter, who has been questioned by the customs agent, if Jesus pays taxes to Caesar. Jesus answered by telling Peter to go to the sea and put in his hook, and the first fish that comes up will have a coin in its mouth. That's the word of knowledge. So wisdom proceeds knowledge. The answer is go fish. The knowledge is how to cash it in. All of it supernatural and all of it orchestrated by God. It will not be the normal. It will not be the normal. See, the solution to my dilemma about the jury duty, I was going to go take Eddie (laughs) or foam at the mouth and make them people think I was incompetent, crazy, or take, you know, your your mental devices. But the supernatural was God said, well, I'll just resolve this conflict myself. I'm I'm the supreme judge of the universe. God knew how much money to offer them people, how to get them satisfied, how to get the doctors off the hook if they were guilty. You understand me? So he, he did that all just to answer that for me. You got me? And don't say God won't do it. Well, who are you? I don't know who I am. All I know is I ask God for what I need. David asked the same question. Who is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you should acknowledge him? We don't know who we are. All we know is we obey him. He said, ask, I'm going to ask him. Why don't you get up and ask and see who you are? Seriously. So this is the true gift of the word of knowledge from God. It will solve the problem and be exactly as it is told if obeyed. If you obey it, that's the key. Your faith has to come into play in a mighty big way in these situations because God puts answers in front of us continually and we disobey. We don't even think they're God. You got me? Because we don't, like sometimes I have to snatch people up and tell them, now listen to me, you know, and I don't like jacking people up. But, you know, you see people stumbling and you see them struggling and you say, now God has a simple answer for this. Why don't we seek this? And, you know, I forgot to call you. I forgot. forgot. You can't forget if this is something that's vital for your existence. How can you forget that? You got me? And when we get the answer, 
follow through on it. Well, sometimes people aren't in the mind to follow through. They just think you're just telling them stuff, suggestions. I don't play in suggestions. You got me? I'm not suggesting anything. When I tell you something, even if it's wrong, God will make it okay. You got me? Because he wants you to get up and do something and do anything. Huh? It looks goofy from your natural perspective. You think it won't work. That's what I mean when I say wrong. Because once God speaks it and I repeat it and you go obey it, it's right. Because it works for you. You got me? It works for you. People think, feel all impotent and stuff. Well, I can't, I just can't do that. You can do that, but how come, how come I'm different? How I get to obey everything and you get off the hook? You're not capable. Let's get real here. You can do these things. You just have to do what, what's called humbling yourself. If you're going to get something from God, you can't be relying on your own nothing. Because you have nothing to bring to the table. Huh? You got nothing to bring. All, all you're looking for is some instruction and a way to get things done so that they can be done. Huh? I didn't care how God got me out of jury duty. I know I was packing just in case. <laughs> I had my expandable. Huh? And I could get low with it. Or I could. could, You got me? I was going to work something, but I know I wasn't going to stand up there three weeks with them people occupying my life like that. But I went so I wouldn't offend anybody. You got me? Because they do threaten to send the sheriff. You know, sheriff's name stamped on the bottom of that. I said, well, I don't want no dealings with him. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do up in here. Just so I didn't offend, I went through with it. But I expected God to do something. You got me? I expected not to have to do that, folks. So, <laughs> you got to expect a miracle. <laughs> I, know, I know my miracles may not sound like all that. No, I didn't have everybody in the courtroom praying in tongues and walking on water. But my miracle was my miracle. So the gift of the word of knowledge will solve the problem. This is what you've got to understand. It's your solution. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the solution. And one word from God will do that. And it, you don't have to pray long and hard and fast. And we'd never get anything. <laughs> Prophetic people rely on this gift because the work of the ministry requires answers, solution, and direction that cannot be obtained through natural means. You don't have the answer if God don't give it to you. When we rely totally on God without trying to figure out answers in our own heads. We can open ourselves up to rely on the gifts of the spirit. What I do is I just get quiet. And I don't try to think of anything. And to assure that I can can hear from God, I'll pray in the Holy Ghost until the answer comes. And it always comes. Not because of me, but because of God. I figured out the system. You got me? That's all you got to do is figure out the system. And wait on God to bring that word to you. 
The word of wisdom can be defined as supernatural wisdom that comes from the spirit of God to give the mind of God. It is the application of supernatural knowledge or the how-to of God. See, you don't have these answers. Now, you can get out and try a lot of stuff. And we'll be sitting here this time next year with nothing for your trying. The biggest waste of time. I was so thankful when I found out I didn't have to struggle him, haw, and back and forth. And, you know, just sometimes God will delay an answer because the time isn't right to, to apply it. And he knows if he gives it to certain people, they're going to run with it, right? There's no sense in him telling me nothing and saying it is for three weeks. Right? Don't tell me that. I'm going to try to get you to change your mind and bring it up here in the now. Most human beings do that. And so he'll give you an answer or he'll give you peace if you ask him and you know it's on the way. You got me? And so that's how, why these gifts are here. So <clears throat> it's the how-to of God. There may also be an element of foretelling or forecasting in the word of wisdom. So it will assure you of things to come. It will assure you of things to come. God will say, if you'll do this, then I will do what you ask me to do. This is the way to get that done. That's the word of wisdom. Our example in Matthew 17, 24 and 27 also includes an example of the gift of the word of wisdom. When Jesus is able to answer the question, how will we pay your taxes? Now we know how. It's through the fish. Huh? It's through fishing. And how through fishing? Through the specific knowledge that there is a fish in that water that has a coin in its mouth. And it will be the first one that you pull up out of the water. Well, how do I do that? Peter, you know how to fish. Just go do what I tell you to do. You got me? See, the wrong thing to do is try to ask more questions. Go and do what he already told you first before you come out. See, we want to pick God's mind. Like if, if he dropped more than this on you, your mind would explode. Trust me. It looked like watermelon hitting the side of the wall. So he don't want to upset your little, little red wagon, upset your little apple cart. So he gives you enough to help you for right now. But God isn't the kind of, of God that you can just pick and probe because he knows your heart. See, he knows unbelief questions when he sees them. And so if you're trying to get more and get more and get more, that's unbelief in operation. So he's not going to mess with anybody like that. See, and the words of knowledge and the prophecies will dry up and they'll get shorter and they'll get shorter because you still got some words out there you haven't obeyed yet and operated in. It's true. He's not going to sit up and keep telling you the same thing. Are you kidding me? You got to you got to operate and obey the last thing he told you before you can go question more. See, what we want to do is is not use our faith because you think the more information you have, the less faith you'll have to move out on. But you're going to have to jump out there and do something. Huh? I went to court expecting to come back home every time I went. Are you kidding me? 
You really think I'm not serious about that? Now that's a small thing. Think what I do when it comes to green. huh? If I kill a devil over some free time, you know what I'd do to him about my money. Are you kidding me? Huh? You do these things to keep your faith strong. You do it so it doesn't weaken on you. You do them so that your faith can always be sharp. So that when the biggie does come, you got something to cut the biggie with too. You understand me? This is why you live by faith every day. These are faith projects. My little truck that I have in Detroit, you know, that's... You know, I keep that so I can run around, do this, do that. Gives me the freedom, whatever, you know, whatever. It's some God dropped on me, something I wanted to do. And so, you know, there's a little place I've been taking it, little needs little things here and there. And so, you know, as long as they're under a couple hundred dollars, I'm sweet. But, you know, when they get up there, then we go another way, you know, and so we pray. So the guy told me it's fuel pump. Oh, you need a fuel pump, $650. I said, oh, really? So I said, how much is your labor? You know, because they want to send you a bill with just one number on there. I said, don't play me. Come on now. You charging something for some itemized. You've been to school. Or if you ain't been to school, this will be a new challenge for you. Itemize my bill. So, so he, gives me the <laughs> he gives me the itemize. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, it's about half and half, half labor, half. Uh. I said, well, let me call you back. I said, I'll talk to my nephew, you know, whether I got a nephew or not. I tell him I talk That's to my right. nephew. Amen. You know what I mean? So, you know, you talk to you somebody. Talk to God, whatever you want to do. So I told Tone, I said, well, what do you think about this? And the guy said, oh, don't bring an used one here. You got more problems. Want a new one? I said, I'll get a new one. So our neighbor down the street quoted me a price that was $75 less. Then he called back an hour later and told Tone, he said, I can get it for a hundred and something dollars. So already my bill slashed in half because God knows what he wants to do in your life. You take time to seek God. I'm not in a panic for that man doing nothing for me. Are you kidding me? Not on my last leg. But if you will take the time to seek God and then obey what he tells you to do. You know, you don't say, well, this thing can't be any good because it's cheaper than the one he will. Don't play with God like that. When God answers your prayer, you get up and you move on it. And you do what God's opened the door for you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Expect a miracle, folks. The word of wisdom and word of knowledge will put you in your place. For that miracle to occur for you. I consider it a miracle anytime I can save some money. You know, I mean, <laughs> I would try for free, but most people don't want to go along with that. They got to live too. So praise God. All right. So you got your exams and let this be a week.